Hi, I'm Candace Huber, and you're listening to Novel Ideas on WRBH, a weekly discussion of all things literary. This week, I'm very excited to have a special guest author. This is the first author interview, actually, that I've ever done Ooh. on the podcast. <laughs> and I have here with me Elise Arden, and she is a local New Orleans author. Well, mostly local. She lives in kind of two places at once. But Elise is here with me, and she, I'm going to read her bio just because I find it entertaining. So Elise Arden was raised by the street performers, tea leaf readers, and glittering drag queens of the New Orleans French Quarter. She cut her teeth on the streets of New York and has worked all around the world since. She either talks too much or not at all, which sounds like me. She obsessively documents things, which also sounds like me. Her hair ranges from eggplant to cotton candy colored. And if you follow her on Instagram, you see all of her awesome hair stuff, and it's amazing. One dreary day in London, she missed home and started writing The Casket Girls, which is her first book. And that book was her debut novel, and it garnered over one million reads online before it was acquired by Skyscape in a two-book deal. And her second book, The Romeo Catchers, is due out in May of this year. And she's represented by ICM, and she still plans to run away with the circus one star-swept night. So welcome, Elise. I'm Thank so glad you. to have you here. I'm excited to be here. And so the your first book is The Casket Girls. And so just to let you guys know, and you, you heard this on the podcast, we read this book for our YA book club, and I talked about it on the podcast. I do a, a, a book club edition where we go over all the books that we talked about. And so if you've listened to the podcast before, you may have heard me talk about this book, but The Casket Girls is about, it's a YA book about a girl named Adele, and she lives in New Orleans, and she comes back after Katrina, and she gets involved in some <laughs> things going on in the French Quarter. And what's really cool about this book is that it ties in a lot of New Orleans tales uh, and legends into the book. So can you talk a little bit about the book and kind of how you how you did that? Yeah, so technically it's a fictional storm. Um, it's not Katrina. That's true. I'm but sorry. No, no, no. It's totally <laughs> a common um, misconception. And the reason that I did that was so people could put their own experiences into it. So for many, many, many people, it is Katrina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I get people in Florida, you know, about Hurricane Andrew or, or you know, many of the different storms. And I was in the Northeast when Hurricane Sandy hit, writing the book. Um, so part of it was written like by candlelight, yeah, yeah. awesome. which was very I mean, not awesome, but ironic. Cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it was very weird to experience a hurricane when it's cold outside because mm. my all of my hurricane associations, like part of the misery of the aftermath is always the heat right. here and the humidity. Um, so it does take place right after the biggest storms ever hit the city. And so it has a bit of a post-apocalyptic vibe. Um, And it takes three urban legends from the French Quarter from different time periods and kind of asks the question, what if they were all connected through time? And it is about a 16-year-old girl, and they get back to the city, and everything is so different looking. She doesn't notice when strange things start to happen because her whole entire life is so strange now after the hurricane. Yes. And it is she she it's very adventurous as well. So what I what I really liked about this book and the the YA book club, too, came up with so many theories after we read this book. And Elise's fans online are like rabid fans that have all these crazy theories about her books. 
Um, but I, one of the coolest <clears throat> things was seeing those urban legends. So I'm from New Orleans and being from here and knowing all of them beforehand, it was really cool to see how you weave them all together. Mm-hmm. And you take some more mm-hmm. in the second book, right? Yeah, so um, two more urban legends. Obviously, one of them has to do with the Romeo Catchers, mm-hmm. um, which is the title of the book. And there's another one that takes place at Bottom of the Cup Tea Room. Mm. If you've never been there, it's in New Orleans on Royal Street, the oldest psychic institution in the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes. those are the two um, new legends that are introduced um, in a little bit of a different way from the first book. But um, to me, it was very exciting to have those and be able to create characters for those legends. And I think one of the things that you do really, really well is writing about New Orleans, which I don't see a lot, honestly. Even local writers sometimes don't do that great of a job, and especially people who don't live here really don't do that great of a job. <laughs> so one thing that I think um, you do a really good job with is is that world building of New Orleans, but also the supernatural aspects of New Orleans because that's really what this is about. Mm -hmm. And you can really tell that, like, you live here and, like, grew (laughs) up here. And I think it appeals to both people outside and inside. Mm -hmm. So is there a reason why you wanted to write this in New Orleans versus somewhere else? Well, the story is inherently a New Orleans story. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like there are certain stories that could only take place here and have um, a, a certain amount of credibility or an, like an easier way to suspend belief. Right. <laughs> um, um, so and kind of like you said in my bio at the time, I really was kind of homesick. So I think really that's, you know, why I did it or why I was drawn to writing a New Orleans story um, at the time. But at the the other, you know, I feel like there's all these things that are happening in your life that converge, and that's how a story ends up happening. And this one, the I think the supernatural part of it came because I was taking a a workshop that was a sci-fi and fantasy-based workshop. So mm-hmm. I, you know, was in that state of mind. And at the same time, I was doing all of this just research on the Earthline nuns mm-hmm. and their role in colonial New Orleans, which was completely independent of writing or any, you know, anything. It was just personal research that I was doing because it was a subject that I was interested in. And if you know the urban legend part of the Casket Girls, that it takes place at the Ursuline Convent, the old Ursuline Convent on Charter Street in the quarter. So I feel the story kind of came about because of the convergence of some of these things happening at the same time in my life. So mm-hmm. obviously it would be a New Orleans story if it was going to be about the Gasket Girls. Right, and the Ursuline Convent. <laughs> and you have a really interesting journey, too, as to how the Casket Girls came about because you kind of just, it was a New Year's resolution, mm-hmm. right? So can you tell us a little bit about just very sh- I guess, brief version yeah. <laughs> of how how this book has been in, like, three different mm-hmm. formats. Yeah, so it, it it is a bizarre story. So the nutshell version is it was part of a New Year's resolution. I was living out of, like, hotel rooms and corporate apartments for a long time and was just 
kind of bored creatively. And one of my friends had suggested, like, why don't you try writing? Because you can do that from a hotel room or an airplane or anywhere. So I made it my New Year's resolution and took a workshop, you know, really started to get into it. I could tell that it was like transforming my life a little bit. Like it was something to get excited about. Like I wanted to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and do it before work um, pretty quickly into it. And once I, once the workshop ended and, you know, kind of that point, maybe two or months after a New Year's resolution where it would start to wane mm -hmm. and I didn't want that to happen. So I signed up on a website called Wattpad and it's kind of like Facebook for writers, like with an e-reader built in and you can meet other writers or readers and you can post your work online. So I wrote the entire first draft of the Casket Girls serialized in real time online, which completely freaks a lot of people out. Writers yes. when they hear me <laughs> say like, you did this for free? Yeah. Why would you do that? And um, and it went, you know, once I posted the ending, which it took about 11 months for that to happen. I never thought I would get to the end. I never thought it would be a novel. I never thought it would be a full manuscript. Um, but as you were saying <laughs> earlier, you know, once readers start following it and talking to you and they're all talking to each other, coming up with conspiracy theories and, you know, it was really fun. And I met a lot of amazing people. And then after I posted the ending, it kind of went viral mm -hmm. online. Um, definitely not something that I ever anticipated happening. And I published the book myself kind of as part of the New Year's resolution because I was just feeling so creative again and I was learning all these new things and I just wanted to keep doing it myself because it was just this project and going full circle. And then it just kind of kept going crazier. Kept, going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kept getting crazier. And I ended up selling it to Skyscape and it had a relaunch a year later and it's just been kind of amazing ever since. And now I'm you know, working on book three and working on another book project. And it's just, you know, my life now, which is weird. Which is awesome, too. <laughs> <laughs> At least for us who read, if you read your stuff, it's great. And and yes, and, and Elisa's fans, like she said, like went rabid. And with they actually purchased her book twice, a lot of them. Um, and read it three times because mm -hmm. the people who read it online actually did buy her self-published book. And then those same people bought the new book. Mm -hmm. And at least you added things in between mm -hmm. as well uh, and and changed the drafts a little bit, too, from mm -hmm. the self-published to the new version so mm -hmm. that people who read it sort of get yeah. something different. Yeah, it's a unique situation to be in. You know, normally once your book's published and, you know, reviewed by everyone under the sun and all of that, you, nothing's ever going to change. Right. Um so I, you know, I didn't want to change anything so drastically to where someone would be confused or like forced to buy the new version in order to read the second version. But at the same time, you a want to fix some things like knowing what you know now about the second book mm -hmm. um, or just add some stuff. So that way, all the readers who do want to read it again, you know, have some extra stuff and some Easter eggs and stuff like that. Yes. 
And so let's talk about the second book real quick. Um, and I wanted to talk a lot about the first book just because I think a lot of people may not have read it. Mm-hmm. But the one coming out in May is the second book, and it's called The Romeo Catchers. And I'm going to I'm gonna read yeah, the go description it. <laughs> of it real quick before we talk about it. So in The Romeo Catchers, it says, Tormented by the fate she condemned her mother to and by the lies she's forced to tell to cover it up, Adele, who is the main character, scours storm-ravaged New Orleans for the truth about her family's magical past, but every turn leads her back to the one person she's determined to forget, Niccolo Medici, which we didn't really talk about the Medicis, (laughs) but I assume that they have a bigger bigger role in the Mm -hmm. second one. Not even the multitude of enchanted locks on the attic door trapping Nico within can break their connection. And that is a callback to the first one. And I'm not going to read too much more of this just because if you haven't read the first yeah. one, I don't want to know. Kind of spoilery. Um, it's spoilery a little bit. But uh, so there is a bit of a love triangle um, in your books as well. And the Medicis are this the vampire clan that Adele gets involved with. So tell us a little bit about that and the Medicis and what can, we can expect from the second book. Um. So it's a very interesting thing writing about one of the most famous European families in history, (laughs) bringing them into a contemporary YA urban fantasy in New Orleans. Um, There are times when it's really terrified me and I was like, what were you thinking? (laughs) Um, This is so, you know, it is so historically documented and still currently studied, but at the same time, it's something that gets me really excited because I'm a huge history nerd, and Florence is one of my favorite cities. Um, So the Medici family plays a much bigger role. The first book, you know, takes place in the present day, but there's a huge historical plot line and a historical narrator in 1728, Mm -hmm. I think, um, that kind of follows from Paris to New Orleans, that journey. And in the second book, there is a historical plot line, and I don't know if anyone knows this, but it does take place mostly in Italy. Mm-hmm. So totally different state of mind. So you can guess that there's a different narrator right. <laughs> in the second book that's not in the first book. So there's actually two different narrators in the second book that aren't in the first book. So I'm really eager to see how people react to that. Yes. <laughs> um, but... We learn a lot about the Medici's past, um, particularly Nico and Gabe and Emilio and Giovanna, um, and kind of some secrets that affect the present day. That is exciting. (laughs) (laughs) For those of us who have read the first one, anyway, that's really, really exciting. So Elisa's book, The Romeo Catchers, comes out May 23rd. And please take a look out for that. And if you have not read The Casket Girls, Definitely go pick it up. We do sell it at Tubby and Coos, mm-hmm. and it is sold at book anywhere that you can get books. Yeah. I pretty much assume it's sold everywhere. And if you're in New Orleans, we're gonna have a huge party May 23rd. Yes, so it's gonna find be awesome. me online in the for all quarter, the info. Right? Yeah, in the French Quarter, it will be crazy. And the last book launch for the Casket <laughs> Girls was so much fun. And so if this is anything like that, it's gonna be a great party. So follow Elise. She's on mm-hmm. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the social medias, and um, and pick up the Casket. Girls and the Romeo Catchers when it comes out in May. Thank you, Elise, so much for being here. Thanks for inviting me. And you've been listening to Novel Ideas on WRBH. Thanks for listening.